Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Home Field Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. This is our league, and this is your league. From the 55-yard line on CFL America Radio and the Sports History Network. This is a league of A's and B's. It's green and red and gold and black and blue. This is a league with two official languages and many unofficial languages. It's East versus West, wheat versus iron, love versus hate. This is a league where superstars are extraordinary and ordinary at the same time. It's a league of ice, of fog, of mud and wind. And for one Sunday in November, it's the nation's glue. This is a league as diverse as a country, a league of Jacksons and Kwongs, Johnsons, Moscas, O'Shea's, and Haji Razulis. This is his league, his league, her league, their league, and their league. It's my league, and it's your league. This is our league. Welcome to From the 55-Yard Line with Scott Adamson and Greg James, and we are here for our second podcast with noted historian and author Roy Rosmus, who is a CFL historian, a very noted CFL historian, who has written four books on the history of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Roy, welcome. Thank you. Hi, Roy. How you doing, buddy? And so we for the audience so out there, they, <laughs> well, we, we took us, it took us a few tries here as, as we're learning the technology as we go. And uh, Roy, thank you for your patience as we, this is our third take on an introduction. So my apologies for, 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 for sitting there patiently as, as we kind of sort this all out. So I'm going to call you Roy, because I, I mean, with my last name, people get it wrong all the time. So, you know, understand <laughs> that's no problem. <laughs> well thank you guys thank you guys for being patient and as i said in the opening we are um, speaking with roy today about the history of football in winnipeg our first episode it was scott and i sitting down talking about the history of pro football in birmingham well today we are moving up north of the border actually directly kind of north of where i'm at in chicago up to winnipeg roy yep. let me ask you as we as you and I have talked before, uh, extensively bef- before our broadcast, and I'll throw out the first question here is, you've written four books on the Blue Bombers. Yep. What, what, I mean, I know I, we do a podcast here, and I know Scott's written a book, but 
the books the books you have written not only are they beautiful i mean they are they are as books go history books go they're beautiful books there's only that's the only way to describe them and i have in over the summer roy was kind enough to send me all four books and uh it took a while for them to get here because of the pandemic and when i got uh-huh. them they were just i looked looking through them like oh my god these are they're coffee table books i mean these are not just books you grab right out these are books that you lay out i mean definitely coffee table books and Roy, my, I guess my question, my question is, is what, what made you decide to not only write one book, but a series of books? Well, you know, uh, we, we talked earlier, I don't want to confuse people about the books and the way they go, but it all started with the, uh, the first book, which isn't a numbered book. It's not a volume book because it's about the greatest player to ever play football in Winnipeg. And I told you earlier, greatest player to ever play football either side of the border, but you know what? Come back to that later. What happened was I, I worked for a lot of years as a corporate liaison for uh, variety children's charity in Manitoba. And uh, we were doing these dinners called the hearts of blue and gold with blue and gold bomber colors. And I called up my hero, Kenny plain, Iowa Hawkeye first quarterback to ever win a Rose bowl for Iowa. And he's been here all his life since he came here in 1957. We're sitting, we're talking, and my hero, I'm, 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 you know, my eyes falling out of my head with my hero. And I, I'm thinking, there's nothing about there. There's nothing out there about him. I mean, Wikipedia, this, that, said no one ever wrote a book. And my buddy Wayne turns to me and says, well, you know, you know more about the Bombers, probably the CFL than anybody else. Why don't you write it? So I said, okay. So I got involved with Kenny and I wrote this book. That first book, which is actually a companion book to the other four volumes of the entire history, was, was uh, uh, like I said, a bio. And, and it was the greatest, we call it the golden years here in the CFL in Winnipeg, when the Bombers from 57 to 67 uh, won those four great cups, four out of five. And this guy was so unbelievable. So I did it. Uh, I didn't care. It sure didn't make me any money. I didn't care. This is my hero, my Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Now, after I got finished that, I thought, what about the rest of the history? There's nothing anywhere. So, okay, dive back in. 12 years later, I'm writing all these volumes from 1930, as you said, that first book, The Beginnings, to the uh, last Great Cup in 2019. And uh, that, that was my passion was to, I want the younger fans. I want everybody to know everything about this team because we are an incredible franchise here in Winnipeg with the firsts and everything that's been done. So I'll, I'll cut it off there. Cause I'll talk forever. Your next question. <laughs> no, I'm talking forever. That's, the, that's what we want you to do. That's, that's great. And that's what really fascinates me. I, I was going to ask, are you a lifelong fan? I mean, was this something when, you know, you're a little boy, you become a huge football fan. I mean, how sort of did that work in terms of you becoming a Winnipeg super fan? Well, yeah, in 19, actually I started watching it in 1956. Whoa. And then 57, Kenny Plain came here and I started to watch it. And then all of a sudden I was sucked in. So 60 some years, 50 years of season ticket holder. Wow. I finally, that's another whole story. I didn't like the way they were doing things when they moved the stadium and everything. That's another whole long story, but yeah. And, and, and through that time, uh, you know, like uh, 
the gist of these books are, are pretty simple. They're my personal, I saw it all, uh, talking to the players, talking to the media, getting in the newspaper articles, getting the research done. This history is so different from any other, I believe, so different from any other. Um, it's a lot of pictorial, short, succinct stories, I'm sure you've read, but mm -hmm. through the eyes of the players. And to me, I want to honor the players. And that's why I did this. So, yeah, over 60 years, Scott. Well, I'm just thinking, too, I mean, right with the Bud Grant era from being, oh, yeah. you know, a player with five interceptions against Saskatchewan to becoming a coach yep. at 29. I mean, that's a heck of an era to, to really become a fan of the Blue Bombers. Uh, it, more, more than you know, because actually – Five interceptions in one game, but in the second game in that series, he had two more. So seven interceptions in two games. And this guy was a multi. I don't know if you look that up. He was a basketball star. He could have played basketball. I mean, the guy. I, how, how lucky were we to have Bud Grant come to Winnipeg? At, at, you know, uh, he played here and then at 29, you're right. And so all of a sudden he's got like the golden years, 57 to 67. And he's got great cups coming out of his eyeballs. This guy was. The Fox, as they called him here. We used to call him the Fox. There's, there, there is a statue outside of the new Winnipeg Stadium, which is called IG, which is Investors Group Field, mm -hmm. uh, with uh, Bud Grant. God, that's just, that's amazing. I mean, to just think that, you know, you were kind of on the ground floor of his legend. I mean, that's what's so, so fun for me to read about and, and, and to hear you talk about. Well, and I'm glad you like that. And, you know, I like there's a lot of stuff I couldn't in there. That can't, well, he was he was so close to his players, but he also knew how to be pragmatic when they were on the field. He used to take them hunting. He used to like Kenny Plain and him. I mean, that's like okay, that's that's uh, Belichick and Brady. That's uh, that's uh, 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 Seifert um, before him and 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 Montana. This, the two of them together, and, and he would come and pick the boys up to go hunting, six o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, and the boys would go, and you know they they just had such an incredible relationship here. Yeah, if you're going to take them hunting, you better make sure you do have a good relationship. I would think. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking the vice president here. Yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, all this is just fascinating to me because, I mean, I'm one of those kids that grew up in Alabama, like Dieter Brock, you know, which is, he was sort of my my gateway into the CFL, you know, because he was really? already a, a, you know, a legend. And I mean, he's a Birmingham native, started out at Auburn, played at Jacksonville State, and then he, you know, goes on to Winnipeg. So a lot of people in the South that maybe had not been familiar with the CFL He's what made them familiar with it. And that good grief, that guy could throw a football a mile. That was just unbelievable. Oh, well, you know his nickname here, right? The Birmingham, the Birmingham Rifle. Yep. That guy could throw holes through the wind. I used to watch that guy say, holy shit, man, can that guy throw? Oops, sorry. We probably shouldn't yeah, be doing okay. that. But I mean, oh, yeah, this guy this guy could uh, go down on his knees and throw an 80-yard ball. He His problem was... He ran into the Edmonton dynasty, Edmonton Eskimo dynasty. It was all over. I mean, oh, there should have been one, two, maybe even three great cups, but wrong time, wrong place. But yeah, Dieter, Dieter was some, he was a bit of an enigma here. The Southern boys were, okay? They were, they were 
kind of back office. They were here. They played for us. Dieter only wanted to do things right. He was very misunderstood here, okay? Because he wasn't, like Kenny Plain came, played, and stayed. Became part of the community, did everything. He, uh, Don Jonas in another book, same thing. Uh, Dieter, not so much. Uh, and he was, he, was, he was pilloried a lot, okay, in the press and with a lot of fans. But by the same token, he gave us all, all the time. And I did love the guy. Yeah, I'd wonder what his relationship was, because obviously it's different depending on the athlete. But, you know, so many you hear that when they go to Canada, especially when they spend a lot of years there, I mean, they just love it. I mean, they love not just the game, but they love, you know, they love the country. And that's that's always cool to hear to me. Well, we got a whole bunch. I was telling uh, Greg earlier, I've got this one of the sections. I'm not sure which book it's in. Maybe it's well, it's probably in every book, but I call it they played and they stayed. We got so many guys come to this, well, the Great White North. And in the end, they love it so much. They, they, they play, they stay, they live their lives here. Uh, we're uh, Winnipeg, uh, a great big small or small big town. And the, the, the community here embraces these guys. If they embrace us back, then you're here forever. Dieter. Well, that was a different story, I guess, in the end. Well, because of that trade in 83, uh, he kind of maybe a little bit wore out his welcome because he wanted even more money. But, uh, you know, he did a good job here. And the poor guy goes to Hamilton, and then we crushed him in the 84 Grey Cup because we got Tom Clements, um, uh, Tom Clements, fighting Irish. He comes right. here, right? And and we send, the other, we send Dieter there. But you know what? Dieter's, uh, uh, he holds most of the bomber passing records to this day. Well, I love, you know, I'm, I'm a Ticats fan. I've, I've, the reason I became what? a Ticats fan, yeah, the reason I became a Ticats fan, it's really scientific because they had black and gold colors and I like their logo. And I'm a kid growing up in Birmingham, Alabama. I have no ties to any of these teams. So that's, that's how I settled on the Ticats. <laughs> oh, that's okay. But, you know, well, there, there's something for you history-wise. So, okay, I'll, I'm going to crush you now, Scott. Okay. okay. <laughs> 57, 57, we've got about 80,000 guys on the uh, on the injury list, and the Ticats crush us. And they crush Kenny Plain. This young guy comes here. Now, 58, we beat them. 59, we beat them. 61, we beat them. 62, we beat them. 84, we beat them. And... Oh, and uh, 2019. So we kind of got it up on the boys. Yeah, I think payback. I think you got it there for sure. <laughs> I'm thinking. But I've always envied guys like you and Greg because you you live in a town that have a team that you can love. You know, with, with me in, in Birmingham, the, the teams come and go. You know, they may last a year, sometimes three years. But you guys have, you know, like Greg with the Bears, you've grown up with, with the Blue Bombers. It's just got to be special yep. from a fan standpoint. It is, you know, when you have that, when you have that connection, which is harder to do nowadays uh, because of the, con I went over that with Gray because of the, uh, the contracts and stuff like that and guys coming and going there. There was a time when uh, guys played their whole careers with one team. Well, you don't see a lot of that anymore. Okay. And so you can get into it and these guys are in the community and they're, they're out there, they're, they're raising funds or they're talking to you or something and they become part of your life and you become part of their life. 
and that's why they stay. So yeah, it, it, we well we do have that obviously, not as much anymore. Uh, this last group, the 2019 uh, Great Cup champs, there's a whole bunch of them uh, that have stayed in the city. And they've become part of it. And you're right, uh, Scott. That is, uh, that's a key component of of a uh, team and about history and a franchise. Well, too. I mean, the the thing to me that I think a lot of people probably don't realize is is the community ownership of the team. I mean, you hear about that. You know, I, mean, I know recently. A couple of years ago, the Packers were, you know, selling shares, but basically it was just you got a plaque and you gave them $300 or something. But it, it's different in Winnipeg, isn't it? I mean, they really are a community-owned owned team. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're a bunch of crazy maniacs here. We, we want to own our players and we want them to own us and we want them to be part of us and we want to be part of them. And, and you know, rough times, uh, good times. We just want to do it all together. And, and, and that's what makes uh, a franchise like Winnipeg so incredible. In fact, I, I guess in the CFL today, uh, there's Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Edmonton. Uh, I think that's it for community-owned teams. Wow. Still, though, that's, you know, probably if I could go back in time, knowing now what I, or, or knowing then what I know now, I'd have probably become a Blue Bombers fan. That's got to be pretty cool to know that this is I love quite that, literally buddy. your team. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Welcome. You got to give me a time machine, though. See, we, we can't go back in time. That's the problem. I guess not, but that's good of you to say that. Yeah. And Greg, aren't you, aren't you a Toronto guy, Greg? Aren't you? A I'm more of a Toronto fan? guy. And a lot of that uh, for me uh, is, uh, well, a lot of, for me, a lot of that is based on the Argos history with Chicago. Because the Argos and the Car and my Cardinals have played twice. In the well, they played once in the fifties, and they played I think once in the sixties during those NFL CFL exhibition games. Uh, not the Cardinals. Uh, there were well, just a minute. Okay, no, the sixties. Yeah, yeah, the, the Cardinals. In the, the Chicago Cardinals played the Argonauts. And I think it was fifty-nine, and yeah. then after they moved to St. Louis, they played the Argonauts, the Argonauts again. So to me, it's yeah. my, my fandom of the Argonauts is, is based partially on history, but I'm also a big, I'm also a big believer in the underdog and seeing those empty seats in Toronto. Uh, well, uh, uh, okay. So now it's time to start frothing. It makes me absolutely <laughs> nuts. They're, they're driving me absolutely bonkers in, in so many, in so many cities. No, I mean, six, eight million people. And you're going to tell me you can't get 20,000 people. I think it's the marketing to start with. Now, do you guys, are you guys aware of uh, Mike Pinball Clemens? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, this guy, I saw him here in Winnipeg talking about, this guy is one of the most incredible proponents of football in, in Canada. Okay. And he's running the Argonauts now. He's but you see, the problem is, Toronto, I hate to say it, they got this, they got this U.S. syndrome where they, well, nothing's good unless it's NFL. And yet the Argos, uh, they've been, I mean, they've got the most great cups in Canada, okay? In fact, which pains me, they beat us four times in a row in the 40s. And uh, that's the only team we've never beaten in the great cup, Winnipeg. And I, I look at it and I say, you know what? There's all kinds of room for stuff like that. So, yeah. We, we like to have the Argonauts, but 
you know, Toronto, I'm going to get any Canadian people listening to this from East are going to hate me, but that's the problem. Uh, Toronto considers themselves the center of the universe, basically. And uh, if it ain't if it ain't Toronto, it ain't it ain't worth shit. And that's the problem. And you know what? So good good on you, like in the Argonauts. And yes, you're right. They did play. And uh, that brings me to another one. Well, my beginnings book. I don't know if you saw that, but actually, here's another first. Winnipeg Blue Bombers were the first team in the CFL. Well, it wasn't the CFL then in Canadian football to beat an American uh, pro football team that was in first place, the uh, Columbus Bullies in 1941. Oh. And now, see, I did not know that. And I don't know, Scott, did you, did you realize that? I did not that? know. I did not know that. Yeah, we beat them 19 to 12 here in Winnipeg. Now, three-game series after that, I guess they got their footing, but it also had to do with the way they played the rules. They beat this way. Because, like, the history books will tell you, they'll say, well, the only CFL team to beat an American team was the Hamilton Tiger Cats beat uh, Buffalo, I think, in 61 mm-hmm. or something. But nobody realizes 1941, they came here and we, we stuffed it to them 19 to 12. Winnipeg Blue Bomb. Columbus Bullies. I got their uniforms. I got everything. They were in, they were the old AFL, I guess. And they were oh, the, the old, the original, the first version yeah. of the American. See, yeah, I did 19- not. That's what I love about these podcasts. I learned something new every time I listen to a podcast. And this is something I'll bet you know that, that I've always wondered. When they did play the games when it was an American team against a Canadian team, were, were they hybrid rules, or if you played in Canada, did you play Canadian rules and play in America, American rules? How did that work? Because I've never really well, read any real explanation of that. Yeah, the, the, and, and those years in the 50s and early 60s and that, uh, they were doing sort of a combination of hybrid, but it was basically the basically the Canadian rules. I think one game, it was different. One game was one half Canadian, the other half was American but it was basically Canadian rules. But I mean, we just, you know, I mean, by then, by the 60s, uh, I mean, you know, the NFL football was really ramping up at that point, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there were, there were. it's all over the place, Scott. It's all over the place. All I know is, I, I think that's what happened in 41 was the first game was Canadian rules. And then the second and third game was American rules and they beat us two in a row. But we were the first ones we can say, when it, well, Okay, just a minute. What did I say? 1941. So 1941, were we? 35. Yes, 1941, we were the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. In 1935, when Winnipeg won the first Great Cup for the West and the first uh, that changed football in Canada forever, because it did lead to the formation of the CFL eventually, because no one had won it before then, uh, was, was uh, 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 an incredible thing because we had to go in those days. When you went east, to the because yeah, in those days, the east ruled everything, okay? So you had to go east, and you had to play eastern rules after playing western rules all year long. And we had this crazy little bugger called Fritzy Hansen. And, and this guy was unbelievable. I mean, I, one of the Hamilton players after the game, we beat them 18-12, said, uh, no wonder you, we couldn't beat you. You had a greyhound running down the ball all day. <laughs> Because there was no blocking. He, in fact, there's a, another thing ticks me off that I talked to the CFL about, but they do not show his record. He had over 300 yards returning kicks in that game. Oh my God. 300 yards just in kick returns. That's re- kick return. And there was no blocking in those days. And his final one was a 78 yard 
punt return for the touchdown to win the game. It changed and everything. And why does this, does the CFL just not recognize records going back that far? Well, here we go again. I'm going to get in trouble because uh, <laughs> the CFL is so full of shit. I'm, oh, blah, blah, blah. You know what? It don't, it don't, they don't look at that stuff. They, 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 they grab whatever happens to be there and they say, this is it, but they won't show it as a, as a, as a, uh, as a record. I mean, over three, and they know that because I, I got my hands on the scorecards. See, the field was, uh, the field was muck and poop and everything in that time of year, right? <laughs> so they said, we can't tell. But, you know, the yard markers were there. Hello? Mm. You know, over, well, actually, I think it was close to 329. Now, that's kicking punt returns, right? No blocking. He's coming through. Fritzy Hansen, his his nickname was the Golden Ghost or the Galloping Ghost. Nobody could stop this boy. And in in terms of history, so is it does a team recognize that record, or is it just the league just doesn't recognize it? You know who recognizes it, my friend? Me and the book. And I'm yelling and screaming <laughs> at everybody, and I'll choke everybody because it's there. <laughs> no, the team. Yeah, I. I. Uh, there's another whole podcast that's going to get me thrown in jail. Um, uh, uh, Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Be who you are. It's there. The, the, the records are there. I found this stuff. I spent 12 years digging and scratching and crawling and digging this stuff up and finding it, talking to players. So, yeah, it's real. It's real, Greg. But for whatever reason, I can't tell you. Okay. Well, and that kind of, as, as we're talking here, I've, I'm just thinking about what you were saying about the league and the team and in terms of the history of the, of the bombers. Yeah. And I know this is not up in Edmonton. They do not have a hall of fame, but I know in saying green Bay, they've yep. got, they've got a, a hall of fame down there with that preserves their past in Chicago. Unbelievable. In Chicago, we, we really don't have one, but partially that's partially from what I understand, due to a fire that erased a lot of Chicago memorabilia back, I don't know if it was in the 50s or the 60s, but a fire took out a lot of a lot of the history other than what, what was in print. But with the Blue Bombers, do they how do how do they how do they look at their history? How do they how do they honor their history? They don't, and that's okay. Uh, I, oh man, am I in shit later? Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't care. I, you know, it's often said, there's, uh, you know, there's two things, you know, if you're an honest man and you got nothing to lose, you can say the truth. And I'm both of those. So you see the bombers had the same thing. They had a, uh, they had a, it wasn't a fire. It was a combination of a little bit of fire and, and a flood years back that lost most of the stuff. Okay. I buy that. All right. But I'm, I'm sitting here. I call myself the little Polish kid from East Elm in Winnipeg that said, you know what? I'm going to find it 12 years worth of finding it. I dug and I found, and I found it just takes a bunch of crazy idiots like me in every city like Chicago and the rest of them to go out there and say, you know what, I'm going to do this. And so when you say about that, you have the, I mean, I'll give them credit to a certain degree. They got a pretty good sports writer there by the name of Ed Tate that they brought from the Winnipeg free press and he's doing some good work, but there's nobody got what I got. And you got to go deep. You got to go deep. You got to dig and you got to find those newspaper articles. Yeah. And I got this fantastic lady 
uh, that that has this research capability that finds me this stuff in these stories. And I just keep digging to find that. It's so, I'm getting the young people. It's so important, so important. You go, you go by the Walk of Fame at the Winnipeg Stadium and it names Jim Heighton, whoever, whoever. And they go, oh yeah, he's a famous guy. Yeah. So what about him? Well, he's in my book. Okay. Not just a name. Let's find out who he was. What did he do? How is he? Where is he now? And that's the premise behind my books. And it's a labor of love for me. So they could be doing a lot more in a lot of ways. I'm just not sure, but I don't care. That's why I'm putting this together. Once and for all, when this is finished, I've tried to honor so many of these guys that need to be honored and their stories need to be told. And they're going to be in print once and for all, not just somewhere on a plot. And that's my whole my whole well, thing. And, and with that said, and 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 the four books that I have in my possession, as football history books go, and I've got a lot of them that you can see here, sitting here in my, <laughs> in like, my yeah. reading room. I have I have quite a few. And and looking at your books, there's the one thing that struck me about your books is the attention to detail and the attention to picture. There, there's pictures in newspaper articles, not just reprints, but actual newspaper articles. So my question, and, I, and this, and the question actually comes from Superfan uh, Fifty Six Park, the Superfan Fifty Six Parkies on Twitter, yep. who asked me, "Hey, ask Roy where he got his picks from." So uh, okay. I'm, I'm guessing you spent a lot of time in, in the library. No. No, I'm so I'm so fortunate. Uh, a lot of time on the internet, but I have like I said, this lady. I can't give her name because she would kill me. Uh, she has this degree in I don't even know what the hell you call it, bibliography. Anyway, anyway, she can she can hit a, a button on her computer and find anything anywhere in any year. So I got her to find those. That's how I found those, and that's why I reprinted those articles as they were, because. Because I, I really appreciate what you said about attention to detail, because you're right. My books are are different, not patting myself on the back, but they're different from anything I've ever seen historically, because they're about through my eyes, right, through the players' eyes, and through the newspaper articles and the people that wrote about it, which gives a a, a, a personal touch to the whole thing. It's it's you're there, yeah. you're here. You oh shit, you're reading this stuff. And that's what I wanted. And, and the stories are short and succinct. Didn't want to do the old, you know, history book. God bless the old history books. 900 pages of writing with 14 pictures. No, mine are exactly the opposite. Let's have some stunning pictures. Let, and, and finding some of those photographs were unbelievable. But you see, made friends with so many of these ex-players. They send me these photographs that nobody's seen before. Or I find them in the newspaper. Uh, okay, here's a somewhat inane, but interesting i think uh fellow by the name of paul williams in winnipeg um you'll find him in jonah's book 27 or 29 anyways uh he was nicknamed northern dancer the reason he was was he comes floating down right on my side comes floating down the field gets a touchdown and goes into this dance well people are going absolutely bonkers northern Dan so i looked it up is the first a uh, 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 player in, in uh, pro football to do an end zone dance. 
Now there was somebody, huh. and I've got it in my book. I don't want to pull it up right now. You had a guy uh, in college in 1961 or 62 doing do end zone dance, but in pro football, he was the first one to do an end zone dance. That's where it all started. Wow. Wow. And here I thought it was Billy White Shoes Johnson down here for the Oilers. <laughs> no, no, it was, it was, yeah, sorry, sorry. That was, that was our boy, Paul Williams, number 27, number 29. I can't remember, Northern Dancer. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, and I apologize. I'm supposed no. to be this big shot historian, but I, I got these books and, and, and I have, you know, I, I have, I have, hello, who am I talking to and who are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that gets me into the next question I wanted to ask in terms of, you know, just talking about the CFL. The CFL has a yep. lot of firsts in pro football that on yep. this side, on this side of the border, they never get credit for at all. Right. So right. when it comes to the Blue Bombers, what are some of the first that the blue oh, bo- that the blue bombers are are really not recognized for. Well, I, as I, I I think I told you, uh, uh, now I'm getting in trouble with this again, but it's in the book. Quotes: Indian Jack Jacobs, as he was called, came from your your side of the border, uh, from University of I think it was Colorado. I can't remember. Anyways, played for the uh, played for the uh, Packers. Came here because he could play quarterback. First quarterback, either side of the border, to throw for over 3,000 yards. Wow. Okay. Uh, I said Winnipeg Blue Bombers first to beat this. Uh, we got Bud Grant. Now, I'm not sure. because I I'm, This one I don't know for sure. But I know Bud Grant was the first coach in Canada to 100 victories. I think Hallis might have had more than that. I'm not sure. George Hallis? I hmm. I. I I don't know. I don't know. And ter- okay. you're talking about in terms of the time period, the, the quickest to 100 victories. Yeah, the quickest to 100 victories. I, I think Hellas might, but we had that. It uh, might have actually, that. I think it might have been John Madden, at least down here, if, if memory serves me correctly. Well, Madden was in the 70s, though, right? Yeah, but the seasons were longer, too. And, but again, that's one of those things that I, as I used to tell the Admiral when he would ask me a tough question during a briefing, I have to look that up for you. But yeah, I have to double to see. I have to see down here in terms of, you know, who was the first one? Who was the first one to 100 victories? But you were saying up there. Yeah, the first the first got, person. I'm sorry. Yeah, the first person in Canada to do 100 victories, and uh, and uh, well, like I said, there's there. Oh God, you got me. I guess I don't have my books in front of me. There, there's a bunch of there's a, there's a bunch of others either side of the border. Um, I'm trying to remember for interceptions. I don't, I don't want to go into it right now, but yeah, a lot okay. of first for the Winnipeg Blue, a lot, a lot of first for the Winnipeg Bombers. But that that one about the three thousand yards throwing really sticks in my mind. And in terms of the history of the Bombers as it relates to America down here, and correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't the Blue Bombers one of the first CF Canadian teams to bring in American players? Or were they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's a good one. Uh, yes and no. Uh, in those years, early years, uh, Canadian teams would go down south and find Billy Bob or whoever it was, and they'd bring him up here because he could play football real good. Okay, fine. We had one, with two. And then what was happening here by the mid '30s? The boys here in Winnipeg were looking, saying, "So frustrated with the East, the way the East was treating us in the West." 
because they didn't want the West to win. I mean, it was horrible the way, I mean, we had to follow everything they said. So I said, okay, look, uh, I've got the article. In fact, it's interesting. It might even be in the book. I can't remember. They said, you know what? Okay, boys, this is it. We're going for it. If we can't do it now, we're pulling out. We're not going to play for the Great Cup anymore, which could have been the end of Canadian football, you know, as a league. So what they did was they went out with an app, uh, 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 a program of looking for the players they needed. And again, it's in that book, The Beginnings. You'll find it. They draft, They brought in seven, seven or eight um, Americans, but with pointed ideas. He plays here. He plays here. This guy does this. This guy does that. Well, boom. Great cup. Now, here's another one. Uh, you'll find CFL drives me nuts again. They'll tell you that the 1948 Calgary Stampeders were the first undefeated CFL team. Not true. The 1935 Winnipegs, as they were called, were the first undefeated. Now, they played a longer schedule, but the Winnipegs played a 12-game schedule, including American teams as, as, as warm-ups. Beat them all. Never lost a game. That team was, that's where that Fritzy Hansen guy was telling you. Fritz, um, Fritz Hansen. Uh, yeah, Fritz, I'll, I'll go with that because his real name is something else. But Fritzy, he, uh, he uh, and those other guys that came up here, we had this guy by the name of Russ Rebolds. They called him the Wisconsin Wraith. He was like the ghost. He was from Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. uh, we had these guys, uh, a fellow by the name of Bert Oja came from the States, another guy who stayed here. But yeah, that was, we started, we started something that made the CFL look at making rules for imports. Okay. When we brought those, when we brought those boys in. So again, another first for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And when it comes, you know, talking about that time period, the 1940s was when foot during the war was yep. the blue, did the blue bombers, the name blue bombers, does that come from the influence of the, the Royal Canadian air force up in Winnipeg during the war or. No, that's interesting. Where did the blue bomber name come from? from? You're going to love this. I got a guy, uh, Vince Leah. L-E-A-H, Vince Lee. Uncle Vince, they call him here, was, uh, was the pride of, of Winnipeg and Canada in, in, in his writing. He was watching a game in 1936, I think okay. it was. And uh, uh, Winnipeg's were all over this team, and he looked down the field and he said, look at those blue bombers hammering that team, which he admitted was a reference to the brown bomber. Your, your boxer. Mm. Um, Lewis. Yeah. Lewis. Yeah. And, and the name stuck in 1936, the Winnipeg blue bombers. That's where that came from. Look at them blue bombers down there doing okay. the number on that team. So yeah, that's, that's, that's where it came from before that and, we were just the Winnipegs. And during the war, I know there were military teams that competed for the gray cup, correct? Uh, yeah, that was, that, that well, that's in the book again, that's sort of a mishmash. What happened was that, there were so many guys overseas that they were putting teams together with whatever they could put teams together with. And, okay. uh, uh, you know, uh, they would, uh, uh, one great cup, they would wear the RAF symbol, symbol in right. front of it. Uh, but the only year they didn't play was, I think it was 45, but they played all the way through there and they, they just, they just 
fought their way through it and did it with uh, with uh, with uh, 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 army guys and with regular guys. Okay. Um, and when it after so after the war, when everything life got back to normal, there were eight teams, eight major teams playing Canadian pro football, correct? Or were there more? Uh, um, well, you know that's uh, it, <laughs> the West was the West was the tough one. Okay. The East always had those four guys, but we were uh, the two major teams that were always there in the West were Winnipeg and Regina. Okay. You had Calgary. You had Calgary in and out. You had Edmonton in and out, and then BC was sort of on the periphery. Came in in 50, 56 or fifty seven. Okay. But uh, yeah, that's that's what we had here. I mean, the the actual the actual formation of the uh, CFL as it is today was nineteen fifty eight. Okay. That's when it became. That's when it became the CFL. I know when I started following it in the early '70s, they would show on on U.S. television. They would have uh, truncated games that they would show in the summer. It usually wasn't on game night; it was like a couple of days late. But you know, in the U.S., we didn't know who won, so it was just like watching an hour version of a CFL game. But I remember thinking how odd it was that there was the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Ottawa Rough Riders. You know, I thought they're only separated because they, you know, they've separated their nickname. But the, you know, yeah, and then I realized East, later there was a reason they you know, why each had their name. But you know, when yeah, you're the, a kid, the, you don't know. No, when the, the East and the West. But yeah, okay. So just okay. Once again, just only a couple seconds because I don't want to froth being an old man. Uh, <laughs> this Ottawa Red Blacks makes me want to puke, but that's okay. And that's that's the kids. That's the up to date thing. You know, you could have called them a night. Even the Renegades was better than that. But yeah, they they got away from that. And uh, yeah, there was Rough Riders East and Rough Riders West. I at least like the Renegades logo. Yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Red the, the Renegades either. logo is one of my favorite yeah. CFL logos that oh, it was you, cool. got, you got a beaver really? on it. And you got a, a maple leaf. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, re- it was a really beautiful, it was a really beautiful logo, you know, I, you know, anyways, uh, yeah, the, the, the two of them, at least we still got the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and, uh, uh, oh, I, I got, if you ever get to the beginnings book, I got some great, no, okay. You guys aware of the biggest weekend in Canadian football, the Labor Day game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Labor Day classic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course the follow-up, which is the Banjo Bowl in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. We play there the Labor Day. They play the Banjo Bowl here in Winnipeg, right? And uh, that is that goes back. I got some stories. Oh, the hatred and the uh, combination of love and hate between Saskatchewan and Winnipeg is unbelievable. <laughs> but but you know it just it's just you go to the Labor Day game. I've been there a couple of times and had to walk the walk of shame back to my hotel because they keep beating the shit out of us out there. And then we get them. <laughs> We we get we get them here on the uh, the Benjo Bowl, so little things, but interesting. Oh. Well, let me let me ask you, Roy. In terms of the CFL, I mean, I know you know better than anybody where the CFL has been. Yep. Where do you think we're going at this point with well, the CFL? I don't know if I should say this on a podcast, but I think I need to go get some more scotch. <laughs> uh, I, where, where they're going I'll, okay so personal opinion only after last year with the COVID thing 
piddling and diddling and piddling and diddling and draw people out, draw people out, draw people out, and then say we can't play. Okay, fine. You made a mistake. This year, oh, we're going to play, we're going to play. And then we got the Rock and the XFL, which I don't even want to talk about for a minute. Uh, and now we're doing the same thing again. And it ain't looking great. Um, because uh, Toronto has already announced that they're shutting down all, all outdoor events for the whole summer. BC's already said that too. So the talk now is if there's going to be a CFL, it's going to have to be in the West, yada, yada, yada. But where I do have a ray of hope is this guy. I'm a believer, 107 years of Canadian football. Uh, if you look, as I said, Saskatchewan and Winnipeg were the only ones in the West, and there were four in the East. I don't care. I, I, I really believe that the CFL will survive because, first of all, it's kind of a league unto itself. I mean, we can be cruel and say it's only a feeder league for the NFL, but the NFL seems to like us doing what we're doing. Uh, we had a chance for Canadians to play football and show their wares and go to the States. I think it's a very necessary. I, I, maybe I'm wrong. I think Goodell and the boys think that the CFL is pretty necessary to them too, because as I say, these American guys, when they're when, and your guys, when they're well, I want this and I want that. Well, you know what? Go somewhere else. Where else can you? Where else can you show off your skills where Goodell and the boys can watch you and pick you up? Right. So, so I think I'm not sure what form it will take. But I, I truly believe there'll always be a CFL. Okay. Well, it's, um, it's, that's yeah. nice to hear. To hear, And you're like us. We're on the social media, and we see this stuff going around. And for the last two months, it has been nothing but pure speculation. So let me ask you, in terms of just what has been speculated, do you sure. think do – you, do you have anything – do you have any – do you have any – issue with an alliance with an American league, not so much a merger, but cooperation across the border to try to make the game better. Can't, can't, that ain't the only cooperation across the border. That's going to make it work is with the NFL saying, you know, we like you, you know, don't worry. We won't, we won't do this. We won't do that. Uh, cooperation won't work because, well, I shouldn't say that, but if you're going to start, Piddling around with four downs, three downs, uh, getting rid of the single point, getting rid of this, uh, changing the field, ain't going to work. Um, so the only cooperation I can see right now, like I said, Goodell and the boys. I mean, here's probably what I like about the NFL best. God bless them. They will not bow to Toronto with their metro. Toronto's center of the world wants an NFL team. They're saying, no, they're not going into Canada. Not, we're not going to do that. To me, that's cooperation. Right. So can we cooperate? Yeah. We, we'll bring your boys up here. If you like them, you know, we'll send them back down. I mean, I, 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 think, they're, I think they're treating us quite well. XFL, that's a disaster. No, don't even talk to me about that. That is a disaster and in, in wait, waiting to happen. Well, Greg and I have talked about this before, just being American fans of the CFL. That's yep. the thing to me, as far as the rules, it makes it a better game. To me, it is a more enjoyable game to watch. I like the three downs. I like the long field. I like the 12 players, the, 
the rouge. I like everything about it. And that's what, when I first, you know, started hearing all this stuff, that's what was heartbreaking to me because even as an outsider, which I am because I'm from Birmingham and will be living there again soon, but I feel a certain kinship with the CFL. I mean, I absolutely love the game the way it is. And I just want, I just want the CFL to continue. You know, I'd like to see maybe a, you know, a franchise in Nova Scotia, but beyond that, the way the CFL is now, you know, I, I just want to see it just keep on going the way it's been going, not financially, but in terms of the way the game is played, because I think it's just a terrific game. Well, thank you, my friend, both of you. Uh, uh, I, I appreciate that you appreciate it because yeah, it, 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 it's a, it's a hell of a game in its own right. Like, like I told you, if you, I, I, I don't know if you go on, uh, 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 Google every once in a while, it, here's one for you. Like I sent you that stuff, Greg punch in, uh, 1972 Western final in Winnipeg against Saskatchewan two and three times out of the end zone, getting that ball out. And it was just back and forth, back and forth. The excitement of that is unbelievable. And yeah, it, it, in its uniqueness in with the three downs, which is a lot tougher, obviously, because if you run one down, then you, <laughs> you better have a pass. So it's a tougher game in a lot of ways. Actually, actually interestingly enough, uh, one of the things I like about the NFL now is that more they've been playing more of the Canadian game in my mind the last few years with passing than they ever had before. And oh, there's something about a that. passing league now for sure. Yeah, it, it is. And now, I mean, I, you know, back in the old days, I was, I was watching the NFL, but man, it drove me nuts. You watch Minnesota. I can't remember the guy's name. I mean, it was like three yards, three yards, three yards on a run. It would drive you. I used to watch these games that were three, nothing, six, three, you know, you fall asleep. And then, and then uh, Cosell and the boys took it over and turned it into a, uh, I don't know, uh, 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 an entertainment more than, than the football in the field. And then it became what it is today. So, yes, the Canadian game is so unique, and it's, uh, I think it's needed. I think the NFL appreciates it because they, they, they get to see guys and get to take them up there, and, or down there, pardon me, so yeah, we are unique, and I really appreciate that you guys like it. Oh, uh, it's yeah, it's my favorite. It. It's my favorite brand of football. No, yeah, mine too. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I just though though with that said, I do like a good solid running game, <laughs> which is why I love Andrew Harris. Well, oh yeah, well yeah, I mean yeah yeah, well that that kind of running game. I mean Andrew Andrew Harris. Well, like there's a throwback for you. I think I'm writing in this book here. He's he. Uh, He's a real throwback because Andrew Harris uh, came right out of uh, junior football to the pros. That hasn't happened since the since the fifties. Which wow. is, you know, for for any Americans listening to this podcast, and I'm sure there are a few, that's something we really don't have here in the states. We don't have a junior program. It our minor league system is college football, but in Canada, yep. if I'm if if I understand it correctly. There's not only college, but there's also much like how it is in hockey. You've got these junior programs that are also feeder leagues that feed into used the Canadian to, game. Used into to, the well, CFL. Most, not as much now, but it's there. Well, Andrew Harris has brought that back. And I don't know if you, you know the other guy uh, from the Great Cup, uh, Nick Dembski. Uh, Nick is another guy who came out of w- without, without university or anything else. 
in, in the 50s, uh, 50s and early 60s, our team was stocked with guys out of junior teams. Hmm. And one of the things I loved the best was Bud Graham. He said, you know what? He said, I have no worries. I could put any Canadian player on the field and they're as good as my Americans. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. Andrew Harris is like a freak of nature and, and it's really exciting. Uh, that's one of the things I was writing. I did something. I, I got crazy again saying, you know, yeah. oh, well, we can't survive without Americans. Well, Andrew Harris run through, over, under, around all kinds of U.S. players. They couldn't yeah. stop him. Nobody could stop him. Yeah. I, you know, it would be – part of me wants to see him come down here, but the other part of me doesn't because don't want to see him get lost in the shuffle down here at all. Exactly. Exactly. If, if, he, well, if he comes if he comes down to the States, I may never see him play again. That's the worry. He'll get buried on some practice roster. Exactly. No, it, it's here, and that's just the way it is. And yeah. we're great with that. I'm so excited with that. And uh, I love our Canadian players. Uh, I was, t- I, again, I don't know, I sent you something when I was doing my stuff on people harping on the American players. And I said, well, 2013, uh, Saskatchewan won the Great Cup with what we call the uh, Canadian Air Force. All four <laughs> of their receivers were Canadian. See, I so, love yeah, well, that. I mean, yeah. that's great. That's yeah. Well, we we can do it. We we got some great players, but you know, everybody's everybody's pushing. Well, you got to have more Americans. Well, yeah, that's you know, okay. But you know, uh, let's it, let's not lose that. And I know Scott feels the same way as I do. I, honestly, I want to see Canadian players. I uh, American players I can see down here. I want to see Canadians play. So to see somebody like Andrew Harris play, or looking back in history, you you know Russ Jackson. Now that's interesting yeah. because he is the one and only Canadian quarterback to ever have success in the CFL. And hopefully you're gonna. Hopefully we will see more kind of after this pandemic. And maybe, well, fingers crossed, we can hope that you're going to see more Canadian talent maybe come out of this. Hopefully. I mean, it's wish part of it's wishful thinking, but, yep. yeah, we can only hope. So, Roy, let me ask you, and if you could tell everybody about your, your projects, your books, okay. what you're currently yep. working on now, and where to find – where to find – where to find – on the internet, and I know you've got your Twitter account to order these great books because I got my books directly from you. And yeah, yeah. so well, yeah. you're 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 best off at this point. Uh, I mean, sort of. Some of them are still in stores, but I've got all I've got them all here. And uh, uh, for me, uh, it's it pr- probably I tell people you're better off. Uh, uh, you've got my email, rosmus.shaw.ca. All they got to do is fire it out to me, and I'll make sure they can get the books. And where so, on Twitter can we find you? Uh, what am I? What am I on Twitter now? Heart of Blue and Gold or Royal Blue? Okay, we'll give and, you some major retweets on your on your books too, because I, you know, I, I think this is this is fascinating. I mean, for, for Greg and I who love the CFL, this is our porn right here, you know? <laughs> so, so this is just fantastic to, you know, to, to talk to you and to have all this knowledge. I mean, this has just really been an honor for both of us. Yeah. Well, I appreciate very, it. Very much so. to you guys. 
you guys are interested. I mean, I, I find that fascinating and I love it. And so, yeah, anybody, you know, even if they just, I don't know, ordering books, they want to know something, give me a call because I've had a lot of orders from the States too, from, from guys. different. Yeah, I was going to ask, since we, we started doing the retweets and everything, have sales picked up for you? Actually, I've gotten a few more from the States. Nice. I'm out of nowhere. And say, I'm a, uh, either a Canadian expatriate or I'm a American guy that love your stuff. So yeah, it's really, you guys, yeah. you guys been good to me. It's really nice. Yeah. And I apologize. I've not had a chance because I part of, you know, when you and I started talking on my to-do list is building basically a mini website for people to go to, yep. to, to link okay. to you. So we'll be, we'll be doing that. I'll be getting that done soon, hopefully. So Roy, any final words you want to say to anybody in terms of just the history with, with the CFL, I'm sorry, with the Blue Bombers? No, other than, you know what? If you want to know about the Blue Bombers, they're all in these books. And awesome. uh, these are the things to get. You know, I, I've got them here. You can get a hold of me. I can set you up and, 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 and fix you up, and you'll find out about the greatest franchise in CFL history. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Roy, thank you very much. And for everybody listening to the podcast, this has been a presentation of the Sports History Network. And if you're really into history, history research, sports history research, check out newspapers.com. And you can find that at the sportshistorynetwork.com. There's a link there that will get you signed up for a introductory, an introductory, an introductory subscription and uh, go to sportshistorynetwork.com and link from there. And if you're into football history, and I know Scott used uh, newspapers.com for his great book. It was invaluable. Absolutely invaluable. That's uh, that's one of the greatest investments I've ever made. <laughs> really? I mean, it's, it's just fantastic. And as I, as, as I, as I told Scott, my, the one newspaper that I want, unfortunately is not on there, but that's my hometown newspaper, but that's another issue altogether. <laughs> well, so, listen, thank you, my new friends. I love oh, you. You're welcome, Roy. Thank you so much, Roy. This has been, a, like I said, it's been an honor and a, and a real pleasure for both of us. Definitely. And Let's, we could do it again, right? We Absolutely. will do it again. So when is your, the current book that you're working on right now, when do you suspect, when is your, your, when are you, when are you seeing that, seeing that book come out? Uh, Mid-August, early September. Okay, so let us know. Well, I, you know, you and I will be talking well before then, but yep. after the book comes out, we'll have you back on again and talk about the book and talk more Blue Bombers history. Sounds good, buddy. All right, thanks a lot. Thank you, sir. Gentlemen, have a great evening. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.
west And we'll take on the rest When we get to the east-west game Fight, fight, let's fight through that line down the field Our blue bomber teams never yield Let's fight on to victory For great is our destiny So fight on, blue bombers, fight! We'll shout as you go charging by We'll send up our cheers to the sky Behind you we'll stand, you're the best in the land And we'll shout out our praise on high Fight, fight, let's fight down the field yard by yard Let's fight down the field, hit them hard For we want a touchdown team and we want a chance to scream So fight on the farmers fight Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Hello, football friends. This is Darren Hayes of the Pigskin Dispatch Podcast, and I'd like to invite you to the portal of positive football history, Pigskin Dispatch and pigskindispatch.com. We talk about everything that centers around the game of American football, expert discussions, the origins of the games, the great players, teams, and coaches, and more, and some great guests and insights from experts. We have new episodes three to four times a week, and you can find us on sportshistorynetwork.com, pigskindispatch.com, or your favorite podcast provider. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.